What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund on the Live Mana Network. You can scan that barcode right there and find links to all of our different apps across Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, your favorite podcast networks. You can find links to our book, our foundation, the work we do as a nonprofit organization. Um, anyway, you can find all about, all about us there. So thank you for being here. Today is going to be very, very special. I'm very excited to have our guest on, Mr. Thomas Watchhorn. Uh, I know his wife, and his wife is one of the most powerful women of God that I have ever interacted with in my life. And everything I've heard about Thomas is powerful. And the little bit I know about him, uh, I got to tell you, it inspires me. And it inspires me because, listen, I grew up in an upper middle class home. I grew up with every privilege you can possibly imagine. I mean, not like billionaire status or anything like that, but I grew up in a lily white neighborhood with, you know, there was no gunshots. There was no, you know, really crime uh, to speak of. It was a safe area. Um, it, it was just, it was upper middle class. So I didn't see a lot of crazy stuff growing up except for the things that it was happening to me. So my impression of Christian men or godly men and other things was a little skewed because everything that I saw was there wasn't much adversity. It looked like everybody was successful. Everybody's rolling up in Range Rovers and all that stuff. And, and just people, you know, they were successful. And of course, my life spun out of control anyway and became a maniac and, you know, did a lot of evil things. But the men that I was around were... For, for lack of a better word, and, and don't like quote this, please, actually, which now everyone's going to quote it, but it was like goody two-shoes, like leave it to beaver fathers and things like that. Now, of course, we know things happen in the shadows and things happen behind the scenes that you don't see, but in my younger life, I didn't see any of this. And when I saw bikers and I saw thugs and that looked different than me, you know, my parents taught us to love and respect everybody. But... But I didn't know that other people went through hardcore crap. In fact, I didn't know anybody that went through, you know, addiction, like hardcore addiction, hardcore gang life, any of that kind of stuff that gave their life to Christ and turned their life around. In fact, everyone I knew like that either ended up dead or they were killing people and stuff like that. So... Anytime, and of course, now that I've been walking with the Lord for a few years and I have my own nasty story to tell about myself, I've been able to meet, uh, you know, different people that have gone through a lot of hardcore stuff that gave their life to the Lord and were radically transformed. That said, I don't really get to talk to that many people that do that. And these are the kind of people that not only do I have a heart for, but these are these are the kind of men, and even women that go through it too, that inspire me. They inspire me. Because the one advantage that I always had over really anyone else that I dealt with or that I encountered is that I knew what success looked like. I knew that even after losing everything, that eventually I was going to get back on my feet and I was going to make it. But when I had the opportunity to start doing the Saturday night service at Word of God Church in Oklahoma City, and shout out to all of you that are watching, um, I got to see life through a different lens. And I realized even more just how fortunate I was to see what success looked like, to see, you know, how to, uh, well, just to be successful. And I had those influences in my life. And 
you know, when I when I was speaking to these men, and and, and again, this you got to understand that nine like ninety six percent of the congregation is either an ex convict or a convict. Like I love that ministry, I love that church, I miss it so much. Uh, but the stories that I heard that it were coming from these men and women that were a part of the program, my brother's keeper, these that has just burned. Uh, uh, not I don't want to say burned a hole in my heart because that wouldn't be correct. It is it's 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 changed me. It's changed my heart. It's taught me compassion on a brand new level, like a whole different level. And it's taught me, it's shown me what adversity really looks like. And yet, I know from my own walk with the Lord how tough adversity is. And yet, again, I know in the back of my head that I'm going to be successful. I know all these things. I have those tools. But not everybody grew up that way. Not everybody knows that. And so the journey is very, very challenging for a lot of people because they don't have this prize. So, or they don't have that, that, that visual to be able to look at and say, I know how to do that. And, and I don't know anything about Thomas, our guest, and that that's what his life is like. I don't know any of that. But just what little I've heard of his story, it already inspires me because I have this feeling that he came from a place I didn't. And yet to see the work and hear the work that he's doing for the Lord, for the kingdom and people that came from the same place, it inspires me. And I think you're going to be inspired, too. So, again, I don't know a lot about him yet, but I'm excited to get to know him and his story along with you all. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, and you know, I'm going to pray really quick uh, because I think that that is appropriate. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to broadcast. This is my favorite thing in the world to do. And so every opportunity is a gift. So thank you for this. And thank you for the opportunity to be able to learn from other brothers in Christ that I can learn from their journey, learn from their hardships, learn from, you know, maybe the setbacks that they had that became setups or whatever it may be. It's just such an awesome opportunity uh, to to not only get to know other people, but to get to know you, Lord, in different ways. And that happens with conversation and asking questions and, and just shutting up and listening and hearing wisdom. And every one of our walks is different. And I know that. And we're all in a different place with our relationship with the Lord, if we even have a relationship with the Lord. But these moments are so special to me, Lord, and I thank you for this. And, and Father, I pray that your name is elevated in everything that we say, I hope that we glorify your name, and I hope that we inspire everyone that's watching that doesn't have a relationship with you to commit to having a relationship with you today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, we'll be right back after this message.
want them rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. You want them rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. You want the finer things, the diamond rings, designer jeans, all minor things in the wider scheme. But at what cost to realize your dreams? Been bleeding in the wheel more, put the crown of thorns on, spill more. My mic bloody cause I kill more, but I'm still poor. Bottom is where I started, but I get to the top and park it. Plug up in a harlot, my battery need charging. And to reach my target is the illest in the market. It's some liquid from my arteries, but spill onto the carpet, yeah. Everybody want fame, nobody wanna work for it. Want them all to know your name, don't wanna see no hurt for it. You wanna rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and this is a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. And for the record, my monologues are never prepared. <laughs> I don't plan what I say. I don't script questions. I don't do any of that stuff. So sometimes I start talking about stuff. I'm going, gosh, I hope that made sense, but I felt led to say it. And I don't even know if I made a point. So if I didn't make a point, forgive me. Hopefully I'll make up for it later. Anyway, guys, you're in for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Thomas Watchhorn. How are you, sir? Oops, wrong one. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, Josh. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, very first question before we get started. What are you grateful for today, sir, and why? Well, I'll tell you, you know, like the scripture says, uh, this is the day that the Lord's made and I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, as for me and my house, we, we choose to serve him. And I'm just so grateful that, uh, you know, that Christ died on the cross for me, no matter what I've done, uh, no matter my faults that still pop up. You know, I'm forgiven. I've been blood bought and, and see you, man. And my destination is heaven right along with you, brother. Amen. Well, I got to tell you, um, you have, you speaking of your household, you have a powerful household. Your wife Indeed. is a force and uh, so inspiring. Um, so grateful for her. But uh, her courage inspires me because the, the content that she puts out is really just... It's just a matter of fact. Like it's you can't argue with it. It's just <laughs> there. And you have a choice. You can accept it or you can run from it. But nonetheless, Indeed. it's there. And I love that about her. Amen. <laughs> yeah, so, that's my duty. So why in the world did you join the army when you were 17? Well, it's an interesting uh, story. Uh, I shared, of course, a brief bio with you, but, you know, I was raised in a devout Catholic home. I'm the oldest of six kids. Um, I would say we're middle class when it existed, maybe the bottom of it. You know, dad worked all the time, mom took care of us. Um, and uh, in high school, uh, I just didn't tolerate bullies well. We lived out in the country, so I, I got along with most people, but wasn't really with the in crowd or anything. Uh, some of my friends were probably a little bit nerdy, and I remember one of my friends uh, getting jumped and, and beaten up by a, a group of individuals, and I just wasn't going to have no part of it. It didn't matter that they were bigger than me. You know, my daddy taught me to, to defend myself. He was special police in the Air Force during the Korean War, and, uh, you know, I basically uh, took them on, and, and uh, that escalated to a couple more incidences, and uh, one of the incidents, the Dina came up behind me while 
I was uh, getting busy taking care of business and uh, he caught one with caught an elbow, you know, so I got uh, expelled. Um, mistake on his part now being grown, but, you know, uh, not condoning uh, fighting, but I believe that my my reasons were were justified at the time, you know, and with me being expelled, my dad says, you know, I, I know exactly what to do with that aggression. And uh, he, at 17, he took me down and I think he fibbed to me on purpose and told me that the child was better in the army than the Air Force, which is absolutely not true. Uh, any other veteran will tell you, but not knowing at 17, um, I got signed up. I was going to uh, military police basic training in Alabama. Um, had fairly high test scores and the military has a tendency to uh, send you to whatever school they need at the time. So on graduation day, the drill sergeants told me, Watchhorn, uh, report to this bus. And I looked at him, I said, drill sergeant, I thought I was going across the quad. He said, Watchhorn, I said, get on the bus. They need combat medics. You're going to Fort Sam Houston. And uh, I went through a combat medic school and served four years as a combat medic uh, in the Army. And I'll tell you, I uh, did a lot of growing up there, made a lot of mistakes as well, uh, lived, you know, a pretty backslidden life. There's, you know, no excuses. You can't, I, I never stopped being a believer, but uh, I, I wasn't a, uh, what would be stereotypical of a Christian behavior while I was, you know, in the army. And uh, I got married at a young age and had children while I was uh, in the army, got out. 40 days later, they asked me to come back in, wanted me to go to the drill sergeant academy, which I thought was kind of humorous because I hadn't uh, done terrible, but I hadn't done the best. Uh, got in trouble a few times. The Army made all that go away if I could uh, pass the entrance exam, which I did. And um, in 1986, I graduated at Drill Sergeant Academy and became a, a basic combat instructor for the infantry in the United States Army and uh, taught initial entry soldiers basic combatives and weaponry for uh, for the next six years. So just, just over 12 years. Uh, honor discharged so i mean the story goes on from there but yeah what so did your in your upbringing uh did you have a good relationship with your parents um yeah i'd like to think so you know both, both parents i was blessed man both parents were were in the house uh you know my dad worked all the time uh my dad's hobby was was flying small planes, so I spent a lot of time around planes with him. And when we're going to Disneyland and in plastic Dumbo's, I was flying in a real plane with my dad. You know, uh, so <laughs> it's my my decisions to be rebellious and stuff didn't stem from you know poor parenting on my parents' part or anything. And it kind of comes to that old saying though: the older I get, the smarter my dad is. You know, uh, you know, because being a teenager, I think all of us we told the truth say you know that we were pretty rebellious and probably would have whooped me a lot more times than i got whooped you know <laughs> yeah how did you so i would think and i don't this is i didn't serve so and by the way thank you for your service sir i absolutely it was an honor yeah thank you for that um how do you my impressions of going to the military is that they pretty much break you down and then rebuild you back up and turn you into a soldier so yes. How do you go from that to um, smoking crank or shooting crank, doing crank? H how does that happen? Well, you know, it, it obviously the enemy walks about like a roaring lion. 
that's going to destroy us. You know, he, he probably knows more about the plans that God has for our life than we do until such time that we uh, enter into a real relationship with God, you know. And right. uh, when I got, especially at the level that I was at as a, as a high-level tra trainer, um, being around advanced weaponry all the time, jumping out of helicopters, you name it, there's a, there's a high adrenaline level there, you know. Sure. Uh, and when I got out and came home, you know, I had, and mind you, I was, I was a functional addict, man. I went to work every day. I never called in sick, you know, I had responsibilities, uh, but it didn't change the fact, you know, and, yeah. you know, just drinking whiskey and, you know, hanging out with friends that next thing you know, you're, uh, thank God I never got into shooting or anything, but it's, it uh, dangerous nonetheless, you know, to snort crank and which nowadays, I guess it's crystal meth or whatever. That's pretty much, I think, all the same thing. Um, you end up in an altered state of mind and uh, get caught up around the wrong uh, people. And then it only takes being in the wrong place at the right time, you know, to get caught up in something, you know. Yeah, and it happens you quick. be a law-abiding person your whole life and, and, uh, and find yourself in a situation, you know, you can find yourself uh, behind bars and I know it, you know. Yeah, me too. Uh, it happened to me six times. And I, and it's interesting about meth too. I mean, they're all, they all are mind altering. Yes. But there's something about that demon. It's like, it takes your common sense part of your brain and just throws it away oh, yeah. and just flips the world upside down. It just, and the things that people do, and I'll just speak for myself because I don't want to speak for other people. The things that I was doing, like I think about it now, and I'm like, "What is what was wrong with me? Like, why would I do this?" Yeah, it's just poison. Absolutely. But I know why I was doing it because I was miserable, I was broken, and and I hated life, and I wanted to die, so I chose meth. Yeah, you know, everybody has has what drove them, you know, to something. For me, it seemed like, wow, man, I got all these responsibilities and and kids and uh you know it seems like i can get more done you know and that that's of course you, know, you run in circles thinking you're getting a lot done but you're finishing anything you know uh, and, <laughs> you know and it's kind of like that old rock song you know i used to do a little but pretty soon the little wouldn't do it so it became you know and pretty soon you don't even want to go to work unless you get some more so you go get some more uh, until your teeth start rotting out of your head and um, you know, it's like I told people when I found myself on, on the other side, you know, locked up and guys are like, oh man, I got violated. I got over by my attorney. I'm like, you know what? You're, you're just like me. You got rescued. God rescued you and snatched you away from the environment that you were in and placed you here. Now you have a fresh decision to make. You know, and what are you going to do with this time? Are you going to run with the gang elements, caught up and catch more time or, you know? So you were a believer all through the army. So when you got caught up in meth, you were, you were already a believer, right? You just backslid. I was, I was, I, I wish testimony was one of those that you hear, uh, you know, of a miraculous transformation. And I know that there was a transformation, but again, like the scripture says, choose this day who you'll serve, you know, and, and we have a constant choice to make. And, uh, you know, I know I had been delivered, uh, you know, from things and, uh, you know, I chose to open those doors and get caught back into, you know, into those areas. Addiction is addiction, you know, um, yes, it is. you know, the, the, the vehicle may be different, 
from alcohol or weed or whatever it is, but one thing leads to another thing. And uh, next thing you know, you're, you're caught up thinking that you're okay. And, you know, I, I wonder sometimes if some of the people down on Skid Row uh, thought that they were okay until they woke up one day there, you know? Yeah, it is. It happens fast too. I, and I mean, it's kind of like it really becoming a drug addict is very, it's a microcosm for sin in general. Because it's like, oh, I'll, I'll watch a little bit of porn or I'll do a little bit of drugs or I'll, I'll just get wasted on weekends. And then you go from that to seven days a week, four days a week. And then then you're stealing and you're 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 stealing from your parents or I mean, it's just like and it happens. It snowballs so fast. But at the same time, it sneaks up on you. And then all of a sudden it's become this monster that's out of control. And I, and I have so much compassion for anybody that get, gets caught up in addiction because I understand it. I mean, I was a 20 year chem sex addict. So I understand that, that when that demon calls and that, and it starts pulling you and taunting you. And I, I recognize how hard that is to say no to, but my goodness, thank God I learned to say no. And Indeed. it was so hard at first. And meth is one of those things that has a 97, I think it's a 97% relapse rate. I forgot if that's smoke. I don't want to go into all the ways to use it. But it, it, it is one of those drugs that has such a hardcore relapse rate. How did you kick it? Man, I'll tell you, brother, like I heard, like I, I mean, I was raised Catholic and I um, some type of a born again just before going into the you know army not long before and uh, but but I, it wasn't on solid ground you know but I had a God conscious I had been raised you know in the in the you know fear of God we weren't a Christmas and Easter Catholic it was you know you were going to confession whether you liked it or not um, you know old school Roman Catholic and uh, it's kind of interesting how it happened because before I started to live uh, uh, you know be backslidden, if you will, I had gotten an opportunity to minister to my mom and she got born again, uh, which is what I know kept me all these, all this time, because I'll tell you the power of a praying mother, you know, she just prayed in for me all those years in the service. And, uh, you know, my dad, God rest his soul, he passed away at 45, but he was not only born again. And we're talking growing up in a hardcore old school Irish Catholic home, um, born again, baptized in the Holy Holy Spirit, um, you know, and the the Lord took him home at an early age, some leukemia, probably from being around and stuff in the military. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, mom just continued to pray for me all that time. And this brings me to hopefully the answer to your question. When I found myself behind in an overcrowded jail cell, you know, awaiting a transport, if you will, to the, the main facility. Uh, I just remember somehow other convicts find out what you're about in there without you saying anything, you know, you, from what you share, you know, and, and some, somehow they were like, leave him alone. He's got military on his, you know, and I'm holding the, the bars and I'm like, if anybody comes near me, I'm going to kill him. And, you know, I'm still in, in like this mentality, like I'll, I'll break you and without even thinking about it, you know, and I heard, and I swear to you, I heard God audibly speak to me and said, where are you going to run now? You know, I always <laughs> of him on my heart. And I looked around in the cells like, who said that? And they were like under the bed and, you know, in the corners of the six by 10 foot, you know, there's like five of us crammed this thing, you know. 
Oh. And I was just, all of a sudden I just got quiet and got calm. And, you know, fast forward, you know, some time, I, I find myself um, in California and Tracy prison, which was once nicknamed the gladiator school. It was a level four, not a, you know, not a pretty place. Uh, and, I, you know, I just made a choice that uh, I wasn't going to get caught up in the, in the gang element, in the race wars. Um, and I just really knew that God had a, was, was trying to get my attention. And I was like, you know what? I, I know that I know of you, but if you're really real, take all this away from me, the, the cigarettes, the everything. And, you know, brother, I had no withdrawals, no anything, the, the tobacco, uh, the, 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 you know, the desire for the drugs, because I'm sure, you know, uh, you can get that stuff in prison uh, if that's your, your taste, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And I just felt like God had a tug on my life and he did. He miraculously delivered me, man. And I had a miraculous experience where God had brought a, a, a husband and wife prophetic team in to a, a packed chapel uh, in the state prison with over 300 convicts in there. And he points me out in the back of the room never seen the man, never met him, and starts reading my mail. You know, I'd never been around any of that, you know. And he's like, God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, and he'd been doing it in your cell, the Lord says, but you thought it was nonsense. And if you really want to experience the reality of it, come right now. And in between this chapel and the Catholic chapel was an old fountain, a concrete fountain full of water. Now, this is wintertime. It's cold and foggy outside, and, you know, but there's steam coming off the water uh brother i stripped down to my state issued box i just like almost like i couldn't help myself they baptized me in the water and i came up speaking in another language you know and he just told the chaplain just leave him out and i guess they said i was out there for two or three hours um you know not able to speak english and not even cold you know i felt like hot oil all over my my whole body the whole time and uh, that was the beginning of the end, you know, uh, for me, you know, of that lifestyle. Uh, from there, I just felt like, you know what? All right, I'm all in. It's kind of like I, I've, I've always got this little note written here, and it's a paraphrased version of it. It's really an old saying, but it comes from Ecclesiastes 9.10. The task is once begun. Never leave it till it's done. Be the labor great or small. Do it well or not at all. And, you know, I'll tell you. I started pursuing avenues where I get the kind of training I need to do what I'm feeling led to do. And I wrote letters and, you know, uh, on my little nine inch TV screen that I had purchased in my cell, uh, I, I'd watch a Christian program that I could watch. Uh, and I remember old, old, you know, Pastor Kenneth Hagin Sr. when he was still alive and kicking and he was talking about Rama Bible College and you know, you know, there was an address and, and I wrote a letter and told him, you know, you pastor, you might think I'm crazy. Uh, you know, I'm locked in state prison. Uh, this is my situation and this is what happened to me. And I believe that God has a call on my life. Um, what should I do? You know, kind of thing. And I got a letter back. Um, you know, a letter's a valuable thing when you're locked up, you know. And I, I was thrilled just to get a response. We well, sent a three-year scholarship to Rama Bible College via respondents, uh, as long as I had the test proctored by the by the prison chaplain and sent them in. So I went to Rama Bible College up in prison. Wow. 
That's amazing. I loved one of the things that you said. You, um, I mean, I've loved a lot that you've said. But when you were talking about how God audibly spoke to you, coincidentally, the very first time that I heard, or at least that I recognized God's voice and God talking to me, was when I was in jail, my sixth time. And this is the time that I was actually facing prison. And it, the, the two things that he said to me were the, by far the most powerful words that I've ever heard in my life. And it's dramatically, even to this day, when I come across similar situations, I use it. When I was screaming and cursing out God, and there's a whole story before that, I'll just fast forward to this point. And I was screaming at him, why won't you fix me? Why won't you change me like you change everybody else? Because you have to forgive your father. Well, how in the beep am I supposed to do that? After what he did to me, what he did to my mom, what he, you know, and the, because it happened to him too. Yeah. And those are the two things that I heard him say in that moment. And it's changed my life forever. I mean, I ended up getting out of jail with no charges four days later. But every time I'm faced with a situation, because the one thing that I had to work through the most was, I mean, other than being insecure and not feeling worthy, I mean, I had some some issues, some worthy issues. But I, you know, I was also angry and full of rage and and, 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 and just, and I, you could set me off like that. So anytime someone ever mocked me or got said bad things about me or lied to me or did anything that, I mean, they could have just farted next to me, you know, I mean, and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, I, I just was walk, I was a walking resentment is the best way to describe it. And because of that moment with God, the Lord, every time I'm faced with something where someone comes at me, I'm, I mean, it takes it, I'm getting better about it, but it, I, I, I bounce back quick in the sense of going, this is really not even about me. They're lashing out at me and it's not even about me. And, and I, and I, take my, my, myself to a place of compassion so that I'm able to forgive. And so that, I, I love what you said about that. And the other thing too, is when you gave your life behind bars and you made that commitment of like, I'm all in, yeah. that's what it was for me because I had realized also in that moment that I'd been given every chance. I had every opportunity and, and I'd wasted it. And I, and I, and I remember when I finally said I surrender, God started giving me all of the childhood visions that I had. The, the, in every vision that I had had, he compiled it into one long movie. And the visions all started when I was molested. Like the very first time I was molested, I got a vision. And every mm -hmm. time of abuse or anything like that, God would show me something. I didn't know at the time it was God showing me what was possible for my life if I chose him. So here we are, fast forward into the jail cell. I finally, it dawned on me, all of those visions and all of those dreams and everything else he placed in my heart or put in my mind was God showing me what was possible and what he had for me if I just chose him. And I also realized in that moment, I had no other option but to be all in. 99% yeah. wasn't enough. So I, 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 I love that you said that because to follow Christ, to to be who we are created to be, it takes being a hundred percent all in. Am I right? True. Yeah. Daily. Absolutely. Daily. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Jody, I don't think your wife would be really happy with you if you only paid attention to her on Sunday. No. <laughs> My wife either. <laughs>
Absolutely. Let me ask you something. Because right now, I think we have an epidemic of, uh, what's the word? Lukewarm. Yeah. We have an epidemic of lukewarmness where mm-hmm. I'm going to get another Sunday. I'll go next Sunday. I'll, I'll read the Bible tomorrow. I'll pray right. next week. How do we, because it's one, like if you're going to be evil, just choose to be evil and be evil. Because at least we know what team you're on. But if you're going to yeah. say that you're a Christian, you're going to say that you love the Lord, then be all in. So then you've got this wide margin of lukewarm. How do we fire up the lukewarm to commit? You know, I'll tell you, brother, you know, the scripture says, and, you know, the Lord himself said that, that all of these things that are going to come to pass won't have to be a falling away. So if we're about the mark of the end times, you know, that's one of them. That's a precursor. And we see it, you know, we see it happening. We see, we see an epidemic of lukewarmness and new age being mingled in. Um, you know, with the true church, um, you know, like you hear Jody talk about, her and I are on the same, you know, page, obviously, uh, you know, with all of that, you know, celebrity Christianity, you know, um, you know, praise God for those that will to uh, be there 24-7 and get a salary doing it. Um, I was uh, ordained and licensed at the time in 1995. Um, I pretty much even inside a prison you know, I've been in a, in a, you know, in a pulpit of some sort or another um, and multiple since, you know, being out up until, you know, up until now. And I've always earned my living um, as an electrician, you know, to feed my family, uh, to be the first one. While Jody and I were pastoring the church before we moved here to Arizona, we were the first ones to go and, and put the tithe in the, you know, in the tithe box on the wall. I didn't have to preach a five-point sermon on tithing. We just said, Father, we just honor you with this. We're believing that the bills are going to be able to get paid, and we'd put it in there. Everybody knew the box was on the wall. And, you know, brother, we we, we never came up short. The rent was always paid for the church and Jody's counseling office. Uh, the power was always on. Um, we were able to be there every Wednesday, Friday, and, you know, and, and Sunday. And God has always uh, taken care of it, you know. He's uh, never left us hanging. And, uh, I just believe that, well, how do, how do I do it, man? I just believe that if the rest of us, man, will just not be a gospel and just tell everybody, we can't just be Christians in church, man. You know, we got to tell them in the workplace. we got to tell them at the gas station. we got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in the supermarket and be willing to, you know, pray with people. You know, Jody's really, you know, good about that. She's like, you know, we need to go around that other aisle and go and talk to this lady and we, we've had the opportunity to lead people to Christ um, give them word and they just you know begin to weep right there because everyone's going through something that's why everybody seems so angry out there it's because they don't even know why they're angry they think it's because of the leadership of the nation or the price of gas you know but there's always something deeper than that you, you know this and and I believe if we'll just let God be God and work through us uh, you know, that he'll allow signs and wonders to flow through our hands, um, whether people believe that or not. You know, like when I'm asked, what do you believe, brother? I say, I believe the Bible, the whole Bible and nothing but the Bible. God's the same yesterday, today and forever. You know, what he did 2000 years ago, 6000 years ago, uh, he still is willing and able to do now. Are you willing and able to allow him to do it? You know, and understand that that I'm just a delivery agent 
you know, I, I'm not moved one way or the other, whether I see an instantaneous miraculous healing right then and there, or somebody delivered, or whether uh, or whether it's going to be something that's progressive. I know that God hears and answers. Amen. Yeah, you know, that's what the Amen. word says, right? Yeah. By the way, speaking of Bible, which version of the Bible do you read? Um, I have seven translations on my Bible app that I love to compare on a regular. It may take me a week or a month sometimes to get through one chapter or a book of the Bible, uh, you know, just because uh, I like to compare and dissect. I like to look at it in the old Hebrew and in, you know, and in the Greek and, and break stuff down. I, I enjoy being a student of the Bible, but uh, as far as my regular reading, I read the King James Version mostly morning and night. I've got to, brother. I, I got to start the day and finish the day with scripture. It's hard enough even with it. I can't imagine without it. I, I, I'm with you on that. And I'm, you know, I've gone through these evolutions of my Bible reading. I mean, I, the one thing that I will say, and this is what I would wish for any Christian, any new Christian to hear, or like say you've just been saved and you're still in the spiritual high. Well, the spiritual high will fade eventually. Mm -hmm. And without that relationship with the Lord and the commitment to seeking the Bible every day, it, 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 it's really easy to fall off. It's probably one of the few things that I know that I've experienced in my own life where you can fall off the cliff really quick the minute sure. you decide to step your foot off the, the gas pedal. I mean, the gas pedal of seeking a relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And when I made the commitment that I was all in, I can't believe to be, I got to be honest with you. I, I can't believe that I kept the commitment because I thought, well, behind bars, this commitment to serve you and start Bible studies and all that was a lot easier yeah. than when I was put back in the streets of LA going, Oh crap. Now what, now yeah. what am I going to do? But yeah. I'm thankful for that. And I'm also grateful too. And this is the thing about the Bible that is so unique to me. And I don't understand of it. And there's some, you know, sometimes I, I question some of the stuff in there because I'm not, I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm still learning. Sometimes I want to fight Paul. <laughs> like I don't understand what he, what some of the things that he's saying. But nonetheless, without the Bible, I got no shot. And number two, I'm amazed at when you, the more I read the Bible, the more I'm quiet before the Lord with the Bible, the deeper the revelations come over the same thing I may have read a week ago, but I see it completely different and how it applies to Absolutely. an exact moment where the week before it may not have applied to that moment. And, and it's, Absolutely. and it's, I hate to say the word magic because I can't think of a better word, but it's just so it's supernatural. Yeah. It's supernatural. And it's such a, it's so fun to read when you get into it, but I got to make this clear. I don't believe you can read it like a James Patterson novel and get anything from it. It mm -hmm. really does take the Holy Spirit to show you and to, to make the words come alive. Is, is that, can you, let me ask you this, is you are ordained and you know you're educated in this subject. Can you read the Bible effectively without the Holy Spirit? Effectively, I don't believe so. I believe you can glean something from but I've known a lot of Christians who had the privilege of pastoring a lot. And it is a privilege and a responsibility. And, you know, I always share 
shared with them and challenged them. I said, listen, you know, put Unisom out of business, man, because they're like, Pastor, I fall asleep when I read my word. I said, great. I said, but if the first thing you see, you know, the, the text messages, the whatever alerts pop up, your bank account, no matter what it is, it's going to be there in 10 minutes. But even if you give the Lord five or 10 minutes in the morning, right off the bat, brush your teeth, grab your coffee, read the word, man. You know, when you're going to sleep, let that be the last thing that you do so that when you close your eyes, that's what you're doing. That Thus, meeting on the word of God, you know. And I said, and here's number two. Ask Holy Spirit, the only person God had who is here on this planet right now. He's everywhere at all times, right? Ask him, Holy Spirit, help me understand the word of God when I read it. I have a hard time understanding things or retaining them. Won't you help me? Brother, I had a GED. I mean, granted, I, I have a lot of military education. But, you know, like I said, when I was, you know, uh, 17 in my junior year. So I, I, I attained a GED. My higher level of education is through Rhema Bible College. But the rest is via life. And people say, Pastor, how can you? quote chapter and verse and preach a two-hour message and we don't get tired and you hardly catch a breath. And I said, it's spending that time with the Holy Ghost and allowing to write that word on your heart. Like David, thy word, O God, have written on my heart so that I might not sin against you. You know, that's the only thing that's going to quicken us and help us catch ourselves before we enter into the sin and then have to repent for it, you know. Um, and by the the way, all these years, man, I still have to repent for something, whether it's a you know word or, or thought or deed before I lay my head on the pillow every night. None of us have arrived. The scripture says if a man says he has no sin, then he is a liar, right? I mean, that's what the scripture says, brother. And you know, um, I, I just got to say, and it's the, the same thing, uh, Jody and I, until we moved here to Arizona uh, three years ago, prior to that, we lived 50 miles up in the mountains above up in a little area called Oakhurst uh, by outside of Yosemite National Park. And we uh, had an open invitation to the Fresno Rescue Mission to their program there uh, under my covering with Bikers for Christ International to go and minister the, the gospel. And we were always asked to come back because um, the men in that program, you know, they're there for a reason. They have major addictions going on and they're trying to be delivered. Many of them have been mandated to go to the program and they kind of get tired of seeing stuffed shirt Christians come in who may mean, um, but they feel like they haven't been anywhere. They can't relate to them, you know? And one of the things I would always ask right after, you know, which I think amazed them to begin with that I was on the worship team. They're like, wait a minute, this biker dude's up here, you know, on the worship team, and we are all involved in worship, and then I, you know, begin by, you know, asking them, so I got to ask off the bat, how many here have done time, and you could tell them their faces like, oh, great, and so I raised both hands right off the bat, and then all of a sudden, they start popping their hands up, I said, so let me tell you something, man, everybody says that the recidivism rate is such and such, and return drug addiction is this and that, I'm here to tell you that there is a high that is none like any other, and that's there is no high like the most high. And what you need is a double dose of the Holy Ghost and fire. And you'll never go back unless you choose to. And and I said, I'm here to tell you, man, I walked out, you know, six years and 10 months on a level four yard. Uh, I 
walked out into full-time ministry, uh, had my family off of receiving any you know, in 30 days, and all the credit goes to God. You know, he provided me with, uh, has used me to plant multiple churches, uh, start a, and found a chapter of Bikers for Christ International, you know, up there. God is a miraculous God, and he will take things that are imperfect um, to do his will, you know, and for one, that's how, how he gets the credit. Amen, brother? I mean, look, you know, what he's doing when you're ministry, uh, people think, well, jailhouse religion. I'm going to tell you powerful examples of God's power I saw were in a level four prison, man, where demons outnumber humans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, that's what inspires me so much because you're dealing with, you know, I look, I know there's some uh, glam bikers, meaning that, you know, the, the, the multimillionaires riding bikes, there's those, but then there's real bikers. And, you know, real bikers come from a much different place than the glam bikers, as I like to call them. And, you know, they've seen some stuff. They've been on the road. They know, they just know a different world and being in biker gangs and biker clubs. And when I, I have some friends that are bikers and I used to just hear some of their stories and, you know, none of them, I, this is before I was a believer. And just some of the stories that I heard, I mean, were just wild. And then to think and then see these same men and even women, the same type of men and women get radically sold out for Christ. Oh, yeah. and the beauty of it, like they're the ones that have been beaten down, dragged through the mud, have been outcasts, have been labeled by society as misfits and outcasts and shunned from society. So the place that they're coming from is a much more broken and isolated place. And to see them become who God created them to be, to me, those are real life superheroes. And that's my Absolutely. favorite. I, don't, I think this is my favorite thing about God. I don't really know because there's a lot of amazing things about God. But this one is that no matter how far bad you go this way, when Jesus gets a hold of your life, you get to go this far and more the good way. Like Absolutely. he can literally take the most broken, evil, disgusting, vile human being and make them shine bright like Christ. I mean, not like, Christ. you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's amazing Boy. to me. Like I, I, I have a crazy story. It's insane, but I've met so many different people that have had it far worse than me. And to see what they're doing for the kingdom, to see what they're doing for their fellow man is just moving. And it's so inspiring. And I'm just like, our heroes on this world, in this world, it, it, we got it backwards. The sports yeah. guys are not supposed to be your heroes. The people that right. turn their life around and come from the gutter, it, it, like that, those are the heroes. Those are the people that yeah. if we're going to look for it, how did you do it? How did you do it? Those are the people I want to learn from. I don't need to learn from Elon Musk. I don't need to learn from him. I don't need Amen. to learn from Trump or any of those people. I want to learn from the people that have been in the gutter who've turned their life around once they gave their life to the Lord. Like that's what we need more of. Amen. And I love it. And I love Amen. the fact that you're you're ministering to them. I want to ask you a question. Now I know why I went on that rant at the very beginning before I brought you on. You're getting to meet people that have don't know, like paycheck to paycheck would be success. So you've yeah. seen and been around some people that really know what the gutter is. How do you help like it's really hard to when you have worthiness issues or you don't you know you you haven't been able to provide for your family and you struggle there 
and they they've never seen success. They've never seen steady income. They've never seen those kind of things. And I know that that's not what serving God is about. Sure. But how do you inspire hope in the broken? I I know I, I understand using God's word, but how do you help that word truly change their mind and and show them that God has something so much better for them and and get them to lay down their old life to serve him? Amen. Well, I think that, you know, scripture says in Revelations, right, that we overcame him, that is the devil, uh, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I think that's the most powerful thing. My wife has a powerful testimony. I'm so grateful for Jody, uh, you know, that God brought her into my life to be my partner. And, you know, I believe I have a, a you know, a powerful money and we're not ashamed to testify, uh, you know, to these folks and say, look, Look, man, okay, so 30 years old, for example, let's just say, um, you know, you in 30 years to the enemy. Let's just be real with it. You know, let's just tell the shame the devil here, man. You're either for light or if you're the dark, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. There is no in between. So were you living for God? No. Okay, so we've established that. So you've given him years <laughs> a rule in your life. I'll tell you. You what if you give God devoutly the next six months of your life, you will not recognize your life. And I said, and I'm living proof. That's where it started. One day to the next, and here we are, 27 years later or so. You know, um, are there days that are good and days that are, are are more challenging? Of course there are. You know, we know that the Scripture just says, you know, that that in Him we will have tribulations. You know, we will have trials to the testimony through the test we're all going to do is get stuck in the middle and just have the monies yeah you know we, we can't get there and so that's that's what i use is by saying look man i might not yet be what i aspire to be in christ but i thank god i'm not what i was i was there and now i'm here and i can personally tell you that I've witnessed, like I tell them again, again, I was a Catholic kid, man, and I'm not down in that. Man, I know some people that just absolutely love the Lord and, you know, are devout Catholics. But I said, you know, this isn't about religion. This is about a relationship with the Father through the Son of God and His Spirit and Him to change life and call out to Him, right? He said, call out to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. They're like, yeah, but I can't be good if you don't have to be. He's already good enough. The scripture says when the jailer came running in, you know, that the, the, the apostle said, only believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. I said, it's not difficult. Just trust him, you know, and give him all that you have and give him as much devotion as you gave the other side. And I said, and you're going to see a dramatic change. And brother, we've seen miraculous testimonies come out of uh, the rescue mission program uh, right from the street. Uh, people that we've had the opportunity to pray for at gas stations, you know, wearing a, uh, you know, a big cut on a patch on your back that says bikers for Christ. Many times they come up and, and people ask, you know, uh, we're out there amongst the outlaw, you know, that's one of the things Bikers for Christ does. I know you had saw the thing, the, the motto is some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bells, but we want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. We're out there, we marry 
bury and pray for those that will probably never otherwise darken the doorway of a church. Um, and we are um, received and respected amongst them. It's been a, a long time building this ministry by its Fedorinsky. Um, if people go to the national website, they can see many uh, testimonies, pictures, videos um, from chapters all over the world. And again, they're all people like myself that have uh, powerful testimonies of where God has brought them from. Some of them used to be uh, one percenter outlaw bikers that the rest of the world would fear. Uh, and now they are just as on fire and hardcore for Jesus. And I'll tell you about them with a bullhorn in one hand and a Bible in the other, you know. <laughs> I believe change the world for him, man. It's just being bold. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I and being bold is necessary. I wish more believers would share their just authentic, real testimony. Uh, because the world, there's people literally dying to hear their testimony, and not everybody can handle a testimony like yours or mine. But so that's why it's important for each of us to share our testimony. Because well. We can, you know, where you come from is the language you speak and where you come from, you can, that allows you to speak a certain language that is a certain demographic. Your testimony is not going to fit with everybody, but that's okay. Right. But that's more reason why we should all be willing to share what God's done for us because right. it's all a miracle. I want to ask you one last question and then we'll have you plug um, all the websites and where people can find you and support your ministry because I love what you guys are doing. But again, I want to go back to your wife and your relationship. I have my own quiet time that I do, but I have a quiet time with my wife. And we have not, we, we've been become more faithful about doing it together. We've kind of done it independently, but I got to tell you, and I don't understand this. And I want you to speak from your, your position and what you know. But when I started, when we, my wife and I have committed to doing the quiet time, our quiet time together also, our whole relationship is, I, I don't want to say bulletproof, but our armor can handle a lot more bullets when we do our quiet time together. So can you speak to the importance as for couples, like whether if you're dating someone, if you're just now married, you've been married for a hundred years. Can you talk about the importance of doing a quiet time and spending time in the word with your partner for the audience, please? Well, I can tell you for one, uh, another one guilty. Uh, I need to do that more. Uh, you know, my wife, uh, um, we had opportunity to probably more before moving when uh, we were pastoring uh, together in Oakhurst at Unshackled Church. Um, and our schedules are so we're kind of more uh, independent in that area aside from discussions and praying about situation or something she's got to go through at work and you know and praying together at the supper table um, I've got to take the lead and, and make some more time for that uh, we have a healthy relationship but I'd like to see it grow I know that she would and go to the next level and I know that's the key uh, to that uh, and that's a factor that that uh, needs to be addressed. And we as husbands, as you've already stated, you know, we kind of have to um, take the lead and do that. You know, we're both, her and I are both secure in our relationship with the Lord and spend our own time with him because she's one of those that's later uh, in the morning and up later at night. And you know, I get up at four in the morning to go to work. So 
uh, you know, I'm up first thing in the morning and have my quiet time alone with God then and and have my quiet time alone before uh, I, I go to sleep at night. So um, aside from, you know, church and ministry, uh, we've got to figure out a way to, to finagle that in. But um, to those that, that may be dating, like you said, or regardless of how long that they've been married, is absolutely, I believe, important that that we both share um share our faith in Christ together and share our viewpoints on the word of God. You know, I've known many couples uh, at different churches and even in our own that the husband would go to one church and the wife to another because one likes it this way and another likes it that way. And and I don't know that that's conducive. I haven't seen those relationships be um, be as healthy as either one of the you know mates would like to see it be. And I think that that is the key, that we need to be on the same page with what God is speaking to us and where he's leading us, you know. Uh, if I feel he's leading us to do something and Jody gets a chance, I'd be a fool not to listen to her and, and pray about that. And vice versa, she'll bounce things off of me and ask me what I thought. It. She'll share with me things that God gives her before she posts it and even after she does. So it's not just her saying, I said that six months ago. Uh, you know, even though I'm her husband, I will still tell the truth and, you know, and if she did say it, um, which she saw it with that, by the way, uh, I'll vouch for the fact that she did. So I believe it's absolutely essential that we be on the same page with our faith and our relationship in Christ with our mate. I love that. I love it so much. Uh, Thomas, do you mind? Please share uh, your websites where people can follow your ministry, where people can sew into what you guys are doing. Please share everything you want to share. Amen. So I don't have a Facebook, but Jody does, and uh, I believe hers is Jody and Thomas Watchhorn um, on Facebook, and I do know that she has an Instagram, and probably to search her on that, but uh, for Bikers for Christ, which is one of my biggest evangelistic involvements right now with Jody as well, uh, that one's real simple, and that's www.bikersforchrist, all one word spelled together, uh, dot org okay cool and that is the yes we are in uh 24 countries around the world now with uh really well over 4,000 members been around for 35 years and growing and uh it's just awesome we get invitations i have to be careful mentioning names of any of the uh um what would be known as 1% outlaw clubs, but we actually get calls. And even just recently, we were asked to ride two hours on, on our bikes, a group of us, and go uh, and perform a bike blessing for one of the outlaw clubs that um, people shudder kind of when they hear the name. It's one of the most, most, of, uh, you know, so because Bikers for Christ 100% neutral, we minister to some that are the enemies of each other, um, and they know that we're neutral via our testimony uh that's the only reason i'm not mentioning you know names but i'm sure people can you know can put can two and two together <laughs> yes two and two together so that's really it man i'm just here to promote jesus um i ask that anybody watching and that yourself you'd keep jody and i in prayer we are feeling inspired and searching for a building um and god to provide the finances to um open another unshackled church in Fountain Hills, we live, and uh, 
many of the buildings are very, uh, very pricey. And so we're just praying that God will just open the doors and cause something to happen that will allow us to get in. We just really feel inspired to go uh, that route again and, and branch out the ministry. Um, we knew he moved us here for a reason and he has used us uh, mightily while we've been here. But I also know my call and my time in the pulpit is by no means over either. So uh, they yeah. can just keep that lift up in prayer. We'd really appreciate it. Well, uh, you know, if you, I'm going to be praying for that. Um, if you decide that you want to start more of like a, a, a podcast TV show style ministry, like that's just digital and online. If you uh -huh. ever want to create something like that, I'm more than happy to teach you, give you a spot on our network. Um, however, we can bless. We have a, a channel called Church Redefined where uh -huh. we're wanting to like ministries like yours uh, can, you know, can broadcast there to get their message out to the world. And uh, so we have a heart for ministries like yours because it's the people that you serve and the people that you witness to are the people, the very people on our heart too. That's awesome. I really appreciate that, Josh. I'll be praying about it. And uh, I'm yeah. sure Jody will be in touch with you. She just snuck in behind me. There she is right there. Hi. Hi, <laughs> Michelle. How are good you? See you. I'm good. I'm really good. It's nice to talk. We've talked back and forth on Messenger, but it's actually nice to see you for the first time. Indeed. We'd love the opportunity to meet in person one of these days, too, should yeah. the uh, Lord tarry. So that would be awesome, brother. Thank you so much for having me. And and uh, we'll be reaching out. That actually sounds awesome. We'll be praying about that. I love that. Thank awesome. You, God bless both of you. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Hi, you all. Bye. Bye. What a cool story. I love that. I love it. And I, and again, I've said this at the beginning and I said it after. I people that you just didn't have an easy life, you know? I mean, and we all have different stories. We all have different levels of trauma and experiences we go through. Maybe I just all, all testimonies to me matter and they do. I just, I love stories like that. And then the people to have a heart for a community of people that are normally labeled outcast and misfit, misfits and outlaws. I mean, that's actually some of their biker names, is outlaws. <laughs> but it's, it's just so cool. And it, because it's an extra level of loving the Lord when you're willing to go to the places that no one else will go and witness. Because it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, think about, and I don't know how many of you can relate. I grew up in church, grew up going to vacation Bible school where you would get saved and then lose your virginity in the same hour. It's just crazy stuff. I mean, I, I grew up around all of this stuff and I, I lost what, I don't even know what my point I was going to make with that, but it's just, oh, it, some of us just have this opportunity where everything is comfortable and everything is safe. And it's just like, oh, I go see the same people at church and we're all wearing suits and ties and everything just looks so lily and perfect and it's all a show. And then you get to meet nitty and gritty and rough and outlaw and evil and demon and all of that. And then you're going to go in the face of that and you're going to talk to him about Jesus. In the same way, the people that go out and do street ministry, the same way that people that go out and serve the homeless and witness to the homeless. Because here's the thing. God's plan is not just for the lily white people that grew up in Leave It to Beaverland. God's plan for, God has a plan 
for everyone. God has a plan for the homeless. God has a plan for the disabled. It is if you cerebral palsy, I someone questioned me on this one time, and I'm going to share it. And I've told this story before, and I'll, there, we have a new audience. I understand this, but I want to share this story because I believe with all my heart, God has a plan for every single person. I'm going to tell this quick story, and then we're going to end. When I used to, before I got into media and all the stuff that I do now, and before we had a skincare line, um, I worked with complex disabilities for 18 years. And, and as Thomas shared, I was a functional junkie for the most part. But I, I was, I was and, and the reason why I was a functional junkie is because I was so passionate about getting to work with the people I got to work with. Spinal cord injuries, muscular dystrophy, ALS, um, uh, cerebral palsy. But there was this one, this one older lady who had really bad rheumatoid arthritis. Her hands were crimped up and she could barely walk. She was, had horrendous, I, I don't, there's a technical term for it. I don't think it was scoliosis, but she was massively hunchbacked. Okay. Super frail, older lady. Well, she was a full-time caretaker for her 42-year-old son with cerebral palsy. He's never spoke a day in his life, never walked a day in his life. In fact, he grew up in a crib. He grew up in a crib. And I remember, and I got, I, I provided a wheelchair for her, like a power wheelchair, you know, one of those, not wasn't a hover round, but it was another one like that. You've seen the commercials, I'm sure. And <clears throat> I asked her flat out one time, do you like, like, how has your son hung on this long? Like, how, how are you so happy to see him? Because he can't talk to you. He can't, he doesn't do anything. Like he stays there all day. And she looked at me, she goes, when I come in the front door and he knows that I'm coming through the front door, he starts screaming. And again, it's, it's I don't want to make the sound because it may sound like I'm mocking and I'm not going to do that. But she he would get so excited and it would bring me so much joy after my hard day of work. And she, you know, she could barely move, but she was working because she, you know, you only get so much money when you're on a fixed income. And, and I'm, I'm asking her like, what, like how, what, is, like, what's the deal? Because I know if I was like that, I would want you to kill me. She said, I used to pray to God every single day for a kid. I was told I would never have children and God blessed me with him. And I get to raise him every single day of his life, 40 something years old in a crib. God had a purpose even for him. What, what is our excuse to think that God doesn't have a better life for us? And I know you're like, well, who wants to have cerebral palsy and be stuck in a, a crib the whole time? His purpose, one, was being a gift from God. She got to raise a child for 40-something years. That's what she wanted. She prayed for it. That mute, or no, he could make noises, child, brought her so much joy and brought her so much closer to God because he answered her prayer. And his role in this life was to be an answered prayer and to bring her, help bring her joy and all the other things that come with parenting. If God had a purpose for him, what do you think 
he has for you. God, I don't, I don't care if, you know, you've ran from the Lord, you were a believer and you backslid as Thomas shared, or, you know, you're kind of like in the, in the middle, you don't really know what's going on, or you've just like, I'm atheist, there's no God, or you've walked away from your faith. Because things got hard and God wasn't answering your prayers or whatever it may be. I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart that giving your life to the Lord, that's the easy part. Because, I mean, I know that sounds tough because it's like I'm going to have faith and I'm going to surrender my life to him and I'm going to ask for Jesus to come in my heart. That's actually the easy part. The walk is the challenging part. But... That walk is the most joyful walk you will ever have, regardless of what you're going through, what you've been through, and what you will go through. Because I would rather face hardship with God in my heart than I want to face hardship without him. Because I know with Jesus, with Christ, in Christ, the outcome is guaranteed. I like those odds a lot. My life without Jesus? <laughs> Read the devil inside me. That'll tell you what my life without Jesus was like. God bless Thomas. God bless his amazing wife. God bless them both. God bless their ministry. I uh, would really, really appreciate all of you that are watching. If you pray that they get that building uh, because they're doing the Lord's work and they're doing the Lord's work for a community that a lot of people just ignore and act like they don't exist or only enjoy when they're watching biker movies. But there's communities and pockets of people all over the world that have been shunned and rejected. And I want you to know right now that God will never let you down. He will never reject you. And yeah, maybe he doesn't answer your prayers in five minutes. He's not a genie. But God is never late. He is always on time. And his plan for you is so extraordinary. If he can take my life, if he can take Thomas's life, if he can take <laughs> Jody's life, if he can take those our lives from where they were and turn them around to make them what they are now, what can he do for you? God bless you. Thank you for watching.